Our topic this morning, liberty versus tyranny. Liberty versus tyranny. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 3.17. Every once in a while we do talk about politics a little bit. We're going to talk about it today a little bit. At least this applies to politics. And uh, we want to preach the whole counsel of God. We want to talk about things that uh, are important in our situation today where, where we have a very statist, pro-socialist uh, president and administration. So this will be good. And um, there's lots of great conservative things on the Internet like uh, Prager University and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, this takes things a, a level deeper. It goes behind uh, simply empirical observations. It goes uh, deeper to spiritual matters. Let me read uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Since at least the 1960s, and it really goes back much farther, uh, it increased with World War I and Woodrow Wilson. It got a huge boost under FDR and the, uh, during the Great Depression. And then it got a humongous boost with uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson in the 1960s and uh, continued with uh, Republicans being uh, wet rags. And also, uh, people have fully accepted the welfare state and, and tyranny. They've embraced it. But people are seeing the fruit of it now uh, more, more and more. So it's important that we look at this. This has been, uh, statism has progressively been spreading throughout our country. And therefore, we have been losing our liberties to wicked, power-hungry, lying politicians. Uh, the Democrats, for example, everything they say, almost, virtually everything they say is a lie. It's just amazing. I mean, uh, virtually everything they say is a lie. And that, that goes for the mainstream media. Unless they're reporting on an earthquake or something. <laughs> Any commentary is basically a lie based on a false worldview. Given this dire situation where we are largely ruled over by wicked fools, we would profit by examining why this situation exists and the remedy for it. And this is obviously a very wide and deep subject, so we will consider five areas that are chiefly responsible for our current corrupt and degraded position in America, and then, of course, we'll discuss uh, some solutions. Why are things the way they are? You know, if you look at Prager University and uh, uh, Mark Levin and things like that, they have excellent analysis and, and, and can explain empirically why these things don't work and why they're evil, but we're going to take things a step even farther and look at the underlying world and life view behind things. Number one is the issue of authority. The main reason for the political madness, the woke establishment in our day, has been the shift in authority from the Bible and the biblical world and life view to secular humanism or atheistic naturalism. <clears throat> the Bible provides mankind with an objective standard of truth and a transcendent objective ethical standard that is unchanging. Okay, it doesn't evolve. It's not relativistic. Perspicuous. It's quite easy to understand. You know, no adultery, no lying, no fraud, no fornication, etc. Perspicuous, easy to understand, and fully authoritative over all areas of life. Okay, it applies to the civil magistrate, it applies to the farmer, it applies to the courts, it applies to the military and the police, it applies to every area of life. If one divorces the idea of truth and ethics from God, Yahweh and Christ, and a special revelation, then both will disappear. For sinful men will decide for themselves what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong. Simply arbitrarily, based on opinion. While it is true that the work of God's moral law is written on man's heart, the work of the law, not the law itself, but the work of the law, is written on man's hearts and everyone has a sense of right and wrong. The fall of man into sin has made the use of this innate sense exceptionally foggy and unreliable. Now why do I say that and why is that obvious? Well, today people justify homosexual behavior, the transgendered movement, uh, 
homosexual marriage and all these things that are obviously unnatural and insane. These are justified and said to be perfectly normal today. So to say that, yeah, man has a sense of right and wrong and we can trust men to make right, the right decisions is just simply ludicrous. The unregenerate heart <coughs> has as its goal the suppression of the truth and unrighteousness and human autonomy and ethics. I want to decide what's right for me. If I think I'm a woman and I want to have breasts added, then in our society that's considered to be good and ethical, etc. The basic presupposition of post-Christian enlightenment thought is that truth, meaning, and ethics can only be arrived at by autonomous human reason, that is reason, human reason apart from divine revelation, apart from God, apart from Christ, apart from any influence from the true religion, and of course the complete rejection of the Bible and divine revelation. The Enlightenment thinkers and the French philosophs, okay, this goes back before the Russian Revolution, separated the idea of liberty and freedom from Christianity and the Bible. In fact, they thought that anything to do with religion was oppressive, and we still see this today when you watch these uh, knuckleheads on YouTube and stuff advocating atheism and saying it's, uh, uh, it's going to bring in an era of utopia if everybody becomes an atheist. Well, if we look at societies where people became atheists, like the Soviet Union and China, where over 100 million people were murdered and put in gulags and so forth, we see that that idea is absurd. Consequently, they cut the cord between objective truth and ethics above man, to which all men, including the civil government officials and church leaders, and of course courts, must submit and give an account. If there's nothing above man, then we're subject to the whims of whatever people happen to think is true. And so we got Joe Biden in this administration, which is just doing the most incredibly insane things. And of course, you look at the Democratic-controlled cities, where they've decriminalized theft up to $900 in San Francisco and Dallas it's $750. It's decriminalized. In other words, you can go in a store and if you steal less than $900, they're not going to do anything to you. Decriminalized theft, uh, pooping on the streets, shooting heroin, etc. Consequently, concepts such as liberty and equality became flexible arbitrary terms that can be molded and shaped to fit one's own presuppositions. The French revolutionaries advocated the popular slogan, you've all heard it, liberty, fraternity, and equality. But these terms had a new, perverted, murderous meaning. Anyone who disagreed with the arbitrary opinions of the revolutionaries were now deemed to be spies or counter-revolutionaries and oppressors. And what happened to them? The symbol of the revolution became the guillotine. And heads rolled. Thousands of heads rolled. Many thousands. The concept, this concept of freedom, led to the massacre of thousands and thousands of property confiscations. They not only killed you, they took your property. In France, 44,000 committees of vigilance, that's what they were called, committees of vigilance, they were basically run by these left-wing mobs, were set up with extraordinary powers and extraordinary tribunals so that anyone deemed a threat to the revolution could be arrested and quickly executed. Okay, so their concept of liberty uh, is fine if, as long as you agree with their world and life view and you agree with them. If you don't agree with them, you don't have liberty. The king and his wife, of course, were executed, that is, murdered. They had done nothing worthy of death other than being lame rulers. Robespierre, the leader, called the revolutionary oppression, slaughter, and murder, quote, this is what he called it, a moral insurrection 
in which was carried out with the dignity of a great people. And of course, in the end, he was killed. <laughs> There's a really good book, uh, The Structure of uh, Revolutions by, oh, I forgot his name. I studied it many years ago in college. And left-wing revolutions, communist revolutions, or socialistic revolutions, or egalitarianism revolutions, not the American Revolution, which is unique, it's mostly Christian revolution. Egalitarian revolutions, first there's a period of bloodshed and slaughter, and then they tend to eat their own. And then whoever is left standing after that becomes the totalitarian leader. The lofty rhetoric of the age of reason and coming of equality became a period of madness murder on a grand scale, and theft on a grand scale, state theft. And the communist revolutions in the 20th century were much worse. And because they were much more consistent with this secular, pagan, world and life view. The communist, it's called the Communist Black Book, and it's a book where they try to document to the best of their ability, and these are very conservative figures, how many people were murdered by the communists. In China, it's over 65 million or so. Uh, Stalin killed, murdered over 20 million. And these are conservative estimates. Cambodia, 2 million. Vietnam, 1 million. North Korea, 2 million. These are people just simply murdered, murdered because they disagree with communism. And that's, we're told that's liberty. Those who abandon God, Christ in the Bible, of logical necessity must view laws as purely imminent, evolving, man-made constructs. Now for the Hegelians, now Marxism, uh, it, it goes from Hegel to Feuerbach to Marx. And Marx was simply adapting Hegelianism. And for Hegel, he talked about the spirit of things, and Marx turned it into the material, he turned it into a materialistic theory, being an atheist. For the Hegelians, <clears throat> the laws were a reflection of certain historical stages, the inevitable outgrowth of historical developments. For the French revolutionaries, laws can never be religiously grounded, they owe their existence to whatever the federal government decides. In other words, the laws simply reflect the age in which they are in, and for that age, they're just. So to be consistent, they would say, well, yeah, this was okay back then, but it's not okay now. Things evolve. Things change. Laws are relative. The Marxist says that the laws are the will of the people, or when speaking more honestly, are simply the expression of the political Power. Chairman Mao, power, uh, political power, it flows from the barrel of a gun. Basically, whoever has the power makes the rules, makes the laws. In the modern United States, the laws are said to be the will of the people or simply whatever the Supreme Court decides. <coughs> That's why the left is so obsessed with the Supreme Court. Because they believe in fiat law, they believe in positivistic law, they believe that this government just simply makes up laws. One day it's illegal for homosexuals to get married, the next day it's perfectly legal and now it's moral and we all have to accept it as moral because the Supreme Court says so. And that's not a very well, good way to run a country. Therefore laws that are binding in one era are not necessarily binding in another. Laws like the chance universe are in constant flux. So, secular humanism logically leads to ethical relativism. And this, of course, is not a base for liberty. It's a basis for tyranny. For you take that ethics and laws out of the hands of an almighty transcendent God and you place it in the hands of the political leaders who can do whatever they want. Secular humanism logically leads to ethical relativism in a purely imminent reality a chance universe unsupported by God's plan, authority, and providence, and permanent universal laws. Uh, permanent universal laws are impossible unless one borrows from the Christian world and life view. You cannot speak of ethical absolutes. You cannot speak of a law above the courts, a law above the Supreme Court, a law above the President and the Congress and the Senate that all men must submit to 
when we live in a chance universe and there is no God. And that, of course, leads to power politics, habitual lying, socialism, and statism. The modern political left, the so-called progressives, the French revolutionaries, and all the communist movements tell us that their goal is liberty or freedom for the people. A liberty and freedom that will result in great prosperity for all. Great earthly blessings. And there's a big streak of uh, utopianism in socialistic movements. There always has been. Especially before the assassination of Kennedy. Uh, as time has gone on and we've seen that over and over again, everywhere it's tried it never works and it brings nothing but oppression and statism and murder bloodshed, a river of blood, and of course uh, poverty, uh, the utopianism, it's still there, but it's not emphasized like it used to be. <clears throat> but when there is no real authority above the politicians and liberty is defined as freedom from Jesus Christ in the Bible, the result eventually is always anarchy and tyranny. When God is the Lord and the law comes from him, then the law is king. And the political leaders are servants of the law. So it's, I don't care what you think, Joe Biden. I don't care what you think, Supreme Court. What does God say? The, the point of a court is to interpret God's law and apply it faithfully to culture and society. It is not to create law. As ministers of God which is what the Bible calls them, their duty is to accurately interpret and apply God's unchanging moral law to society. When men, can't, when men assume that God does not exist, they create their own fiat law, then virtually anything goes, if one has the coercive power to carry it out. The only thing restraining the Democrats from completely having a one-party dictatorship in America is the fact that voters, you know, like things like cars and gas, they like to be able to buy gasoline and <laughs> they like, they like things like prosperity and economic freedom. That's the, the only thing we're stopping the Democrats right now are, are voters. So the goal of every Christian must be the establishment of biblical law, that is God's law order, for by this alone comes true liberty. Freedom must be under an objective, unchanging, transcendent law, or it is not real freedom. It becomes whatever the state says is freedom. And what does the state say is freedom today? Freedom is defined by the state is basically, they equate freedom with sin, being able to sin as you please, and sexual immorality, and all kinds of perversions, that's what they define as freedom. They define freedom as freedom from God and his law. That's how they define freedom. The ground of liberty is Jesus Christ who declared, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31-32. So the roots of slavery are spiritual. John eight thirty four. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. I mean, look at the look at rock stars. You know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They become famous. They become filthy rich. They can do whatever they want. People worship them. And what do they do? They destroy their lives with drugs and sexual immorality. And they're miserable. And they, a lot of them commit suicide. You'd be surprised how many commit suicide or how many have died of drug overdoses. You'd be amazed at how many didn't live to the age of 60. That freedom is really slavery. People who are slaves of sin and Satan always seek out the security of a slave master. The slave mentality hates true liberty and seeks security in a savior state who supposedly will give a trouble-free cradle-to-grave or womb-to-tomb economic security. And the problem with such thinking is that, number one, 
Such an economic security is always based on state theft, class conflict, coercion, and the great lie that people are never responsible for their poverty. It's all based on a lie. It's all based on a fraud. That's why socialism never works. It sounds good in theory. You know, free market capitalism is everybody works hard and you, you, you have private property and you get to keep what you make. And if you want to prosper and do good, you can. Socialism is everybody according to their need. Everybody will share. We'll all care about each other and we'll have an, a, a utopia. Well, it doesn't work that way. Because some people work harder than others. Some people are smarter than others. Some people um, come from more dignified families that have money than others. And if, they're, if they have to give that all away, people just stop working hard and they become cogs in the wheel and slaves of the state. Number two, it turns people into idolaters who worship the messianic state. And that's tragically, that's true largely of the black community in America. We're 90, you know, they're pretty much re can rely about on about 90% of black votes no matter what they do. Because Christianity among the vast majority of blacks is liberal. Doesn't take the Bible seriously at all. It doesn't believe in the law of God at all. It worships the state. It's a idolatrous, false religion masquerading as Christianity. Anybody who could support somebody in favor of abortion, somebody in favor of state theft, somebody in favor of homosexual rights, anybody who supports that person is obviously following Satan. Now, there are some wonderful black churches. There's some ones that are great and biblical. That guy down south, Bochum or whatever his name is, that guy's great. But, but there are few and far between, sadly. Three, it leads to the progressive destruction of private property. And that is, you find that with socialism or fascism. Number four, it perpetuates and cultivates the slave mentality in order to further enslave others. With freedom comes responsibility, and many freedom, many people do not want the burden of responsibility. But Paul says to all Christians, you were bought with a, at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. 1 Corinthians 7.23 You're responsible. Don't look to the state as your savior. Don't depend on the state to steal on your behalf and give you money. The French Revolution's Declaration of Rights says, quote, Liberty consists in being allowed to do whatever does not injure other people. End of quote. It's a very common view, and uh, when I attended public school when I was a kid, we were taught that in public schools. You know, you can do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anybody. It's a very common view. And on the surface, it sounds quite good. Similar statements have been made by communist regimes as well. And a lot of Americans also speak this way. It seems sensible on the surface, but it suffers from a number of problems. Number one, every worldview and law order seeks to keep itself in power by outlawing and destroying other law orders. Okay, Democrats don't practice this. They don't practice what they preach. The liberal media doesn't practice what it preaches. The communists never did. They killed people for disagreeing. They put them to death. The French put to death thousands who did not agree with their anti-Christian revolution. And the first thing communists and Nazis did was arrest and execute the intelligentsia. When they took over Poland, the one half by the Nazis, the other half by the communists, the first thing they did, there were mass arrests of religious leaders, political leaders, and intellectuals, and they were put to death. The current progressive Democrats have turned the FBI agent uh, against their parent against parents, who complain about uh, these lies about equity. Where we're taught we're told that all white people are racist and there's white privilege, which is a big lie. It's a bunch of nonsense, and uh, they're simply against lies and propaganda of the left being taught in public schools. And now they have the FBI's after them. There can be no neutrality, so words of toleration are only words. For this reason, liberty from arbitrary authority can only be found, um, for, uh, 
liberty from arbitrary authority or statism can only be found in Christ and his law word. Once again, the law is king. The law is above man. And this was the big thing emphasized by the early Presbyterians when they had to fight against uh, the English king, who was a total statist and wanted to control the church, and not only the state, but the church. And he wanted to make up his own laws. And they said, no, no, no. Christ is king, and the law of God is the standard, not the king. The king doesn't get to make up the laws. Number two. The French Revolution's definition of liberty is the presupposition of the sexual revolution, homosexual perversions, transgendered perversions and rights, widespread fornication, adultery, and abortion on demand. We are told that such behaviors harm no one. They're consensual, and they do not produce any victims. Liberty is associated with freedom from God and his law. But once again, such thinking is based upon, it presupposes humanistic assumptions and denies God's covenant sanctions in history and, of course, the end of time against such behaviors. The moral law of God is not arbitrary, but flows from God's character and is actually what is best for mankind both personally and socially. Fornication, before marriage, leads to poverty. Besides all the psychological problems it causes, especially with women. Men are pigs, in general. But it's really bad. And of course, the, the, the civil law in the Old Testament, the moral civil laws, uh, if you have intercourse with a woman before, when, you're, when she's not engaged to anybody and it's just fornication, you have to marry her. You have to marry her. And you can't get divorced. <laughs> that would cut... And you, and you pay a huge fine to the father, that, uh, which is equal to about a year's wages. That would cut down on fornication big time. Sinful men define liberty in such a way as to justify sinful behavior. Autonomy from God. I want to do what I want to do. I want to declare what's right and wrong. I like to do these perverted things. So as long as I'm not hurting anybody, according you know their arbitrary definition, why not? That's their argument. The humanist liberation from Christianity with the inversion of morality has only enslaved the masses and degraded our culture. Number three. Historically, secular humanists have defined their opponents as non-persons and as enemies that must be suppressed. Humanistic revolutions are founded on rivers of blood. It's true. Ideas have consequences. You say, well, our nation's not that bad. Well, we've killed, what, 60 million babies since 1973? 60 million babies have been murdered in cold blood for the sake of convenience? Okay, that was number one. Here's Roman numeral number two, the denial of covenantal spheres. Because if the first thing we need for liberty is transcendent law, we need an uh, objective standard that doesn't change, that is above the civil magistrate. Number two, the de denial of covenantal spheres. Another thing needed for liberty that is denied by secular humanists is a recognition that God has established separate and distinct covenantal spheres where there are different responsibilities. This is very important. There's the sphere of the civil magistrate which has the responsibility of the sword. That is, civil justice, the defense of the borders, and the engagement of justifiable use of force, or just wars, warfare. That's their job. It's not the church's job, it's not the family's job. That's the state's job. There are the police, and there are the armed forces, and there are judges, and there are men who help apply the law. They apply God's moral law to sins defined as crimes by the Bible. There are civil magistrates who apply God's moral law to legislation. In the biblical view, the civil government would be quite small and taxes would be very small, for the civil government has no business whatsoever being involved in health, education, and welfare. That's not the state's role. 
except in the case of the police and the military. Okay, this is very important. Because the, the modern state, the totalitarian state, wants to control every aspect of the family and every aspect of the church. There's the sphere of the family, as established by God at creation and regulated by Scripture. There is heterosexual marriage between one man and one woman, or to have children. The parents are responsible for the children's education, health, and welfare. If the parents want to um, hire teachers and send their children to a private Christian school, that is their business. That is their decision. Public or state schools supported by taxes are allowed for the police and the military. The state has nothing to do with the education of children. The parents are to have absolute control over education, under God's law, obviously, and God's word, and the financing of education, not the state. And the chief instrument of welfare in society is family first, the extended family second, and the church third. Paul makes this explicitly clear in Timothy. Extended families, you know, immediate family first, extended family second, the church last. And the church should only be appealed to where there's absolutely no one that can help that person. The state plays no role whatsoever for welfare uh, program for welfare programs because number A, that is not their role, according to God. They are not authorized by God to do so. B, the state can only fund programs for the poor by taxation, which is not charity, but is involuntary. The Bible teaches helping the poor by charity. It doesn't teach state taking your money by force with a gun. And then C, state welfare programs enable politicians to buy votes and thus destroy constitutional republicanism over time. Why do you think most people, most of these people vote Democratic? Well, they're paid, they're, they're getting money from the government and they want that money to flow. And Democrats learned very early in the 20th century that they could buy votes through programs and they've been experts at it. And then D. The only welfare agency outside of the family is the Christian church and related charitable organizations run by the church or oversighted by the church. Orphanages, adoption agencies, programs for troubled youths without families, helping the poor, and so on. And that worked quite well. There was not welfare in the United States until the 20th century. The third covenantal institution is the church. It holds the keys to the kingdom. It decides who can become a communicant member, who needs to be disciplined if necessary, who can um, be church officers, etc. It has nothing to do with the sword of justice or crime, but can give advice on such matters when asked, you know, matters related to law. It is a spiritual educational role over whole families, but the education of children in secular affairs, math, reading, etc., is the job of parents or Christian educators under, under the parents. Okay. The Christian church can't start a school, a Christian school, and simply order the parents to send their kids to that school, which some of the Dutch groups do. It's up to the fathers. They're in charge of that. If they want to go to the elders and say, hey, help us start a Christian school, and we'll be leaders in this, and we'll have oversight, and we want your oversight over us as we do this, that's fine. But the church does not have the authority to set up a Christian school and order everybody to send their kids to the school. They don't have that authority. That's not their covenantal sphere. It's the parents' covenantal sphere. You know, uh, youth groups, the way they're set up, are generally unbiblical today. The church sets up a youth group, and they put pressure on parents. You can't, why isn't your kid in a youth group? Well, if the parents want to start a baseball team or they want to start a, some kind of a youth group, they can do that under the oversight of the church. But it's not the church's responsibility. It's the parents' responsibility. 
Christian schools under the direct authority of Christian covenant heads, with church elders playing only an advisory role. They have oversight over everyone in the church. The church steps in when scripture is violated, for example, heresy is taught, or certain teachers are unfit. The state can only step in when a crime is committed as defined by scripture, by either a student or a teacher. The state is to have nothing to do with education in the United States, or any country, according to scripture. The secular humanistic state rejects the biblical teaching on covenantal spheres and thus seeks jurisdiction over every area of life. The children are believed to belong to the state. This is the view of Adolf Hitler. This is the view of Stalin. This is the view of Marx. This is the view of modern statists. Hillary Clinton, it takes a village. Remember that? These modern people, like in Virginia, the governor telling parents, look, what, what we teach the children, that's not your responsibility. That's not something you should be concerned about. That's our job. You guys shut up and get out, stay out of the way. Let us indoctrinate your children that all white people are a bunch of racists. The children are believed to belong to the state. And the role of public or state education is to make children obedient, first and foremost, to the state and the state's world and life view. Those children who were in the, it was the Hitler youth, it was the equivalent of the Boy Scouts, but they were, proper, uh, they were taught uh, repeatedly propaganda on what, what the Nazis believed. And during World War II, when they were getting very low on troops, and they had children as young as, they had boys as young as 12 fighting in battle, they said these Hitler youths were fanatical Nazis, fighting to the death. They were total fanatics because they'd been brainwashed by the state. And you wonder why, you know, so many people today want socialism or communism and so many people today love Bernie Sanders. They've been indoctrinated by the public school system to believe that stuff. So they've been indoctrinated to the state's view of life and the state's world and life view. Point number 10 of the Communist Manifesto says, and this, I believe, is the 1840s, 1850s, right around there. It says this, free education for all children in public schools. End of quote. Atheists, communists, and Nazis all agree that state-controlled education is a crucial means of social control. The mind not controlled by the state, and, and they want statist education to control the mind, the mind not controlled by the state is viewed as a politically unreliable, dangerous mind. Why do you think the left, the media, and, and, and Democrats talk about Republicans and, and they talk about insurrection and coups and the Republicans are dangerous, they're going to take... Because they don't accept the left's world and life view, so they, they're seen as dangerous, counter-revolutionary. The goal of state education is not to really educate children so they can think intelligently and make good decisions. It is to control them and make them obedient to the state and its worldview. Okay, they want all the public schools to teach that homosexuality is a wonderful, blessed, great thing. They want the schools to teach that all whites are raced and there's this thing called white privilege. All of this is a bunch of lies. It's just, it's, it's a Marxist encrustation over modern races theory. <clears throat> the socialistic concept of social cohesion and unity and their drive towards a radical totalitarianism means that parents must shut up and turn their children over to the state school to be taught obeisance to the state, as, of course, defined by the left. The state school is to indoctrinate children in the left's concept of a new social order. Liberty is replaced by the socialist concept of equity or egalitarianism, and of course there are crazy racial theories which are based on Marxism, and in modern times, of course, the radical left's concepts of racism. Ethics is severed from God and Christianity and must be solely defined in terms of the new status consciousness, the woke agenda. That's where we are in America. That's where we are in America. These things are, uh, everything at bottom is religious. Everything at bottom is based on a world and life view. You need to understand why people think the way they do. 
How can the left be doing things that are absolutely insane and crazy? Because it's their religion to believe this stuff. The Presbyterian theologian, A.A. Hodge, Archibald Alexander Hodge, great theologian, predicted the outcome of the American public school system back, this is something he wrote back in 1887. 1887. Quote, the tendency is to hold that this system must be altogether secular. The atheistic doctrine is gaining currency, even among professing Christians, professed Christians, and even among some bewildered Christian ministers. That an education provided by the common government should be entirely emptied of all religious character. <clears throat> the Protestant objects to the government schools being used for the purpose of inculcating the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. The Romanists object to the use of Protestant version of the Bible and the inculcation of the particular doctrines of the Protestant churches. The Jews protest against the schools being used to inculcate Christianity in any form. And the atheists and agnostics protest against any teaching that implies the existence and moral government of God. It is capable of exact demonstration that if every party in the United States had the right of excluding from the public schools whatever he does not believe to be true then he that believes must give way to him that believes the least. And that he that believes the least must give way to him that believes absolutely nothing. No matter in how small a minority the atheists or the agnostics may be, it is self-evident that on this scheme, if it is consistently and permanently carried out in all parts of the country, the United States system of national proper education will be the most efficient, and wide instrument for the propagation of atheism that the world has ever seen. That's prophetic. That's totally prophetic. Because what he said is systematically came to pass after that, and by the 19, 1954, the Supreme Court decision, there can be nothing religious whatsoever taught in any public school, even after at all, period. Anything having to do with religion is completely severed from schools. Schools are officially atheistic and secular since 1954. And then in 1964, they became more consistent and they outlawed prayer. You can't pray in public schools. And I'll remember when I was, um, <clears throat> when I was uh, young and I could get away with going into schools and handing out tracts, um, when I, get, I would get caught and I would be threatened with jail and all sorts of things. The Bible's not allowed in the school. You can't talk about the gospel in the school. You can't talk about Christ in the school. You, you should go to jail. We should have you arrested. And I'd say, go ahead. <laughs> and they usually back down and just make me leave. But that's what's happened to America. All statists want government child care. They want government pre-K. Okay, they want you know, the women to have babies and they hand them over to a state-run daycare center and then get in the workforce so they can pay the high taxes necessary for the socialist system. Then they want government pre-K. They want to start indoctrinating them at the age of four. They want state schools, kindergarten to 12th grade, where the school unions, which are totally run by Democrats and they're satanic to the core, they're a bunch of rotten, filthy, wicked socialists, determine the curriculum. Remember Hillary, it takes a village. The government of Virginia... The education of your children, it's not your concern. It's up to us. We're the state. The state regulated and controlled colleges and universities. They want slavery to the state from cradle to grave. Propaganda of the state from cradle to the grave. Molding of the mind by the state from the baby to the adulthood. Instead of parents raising children to obey God's law, to believe in Jesus Christ and glorify God, the state wants to raise children to obey the state's arbitrary laws, arbitrary regulations, to believe in the state as savior, the messianic state, and to glorify the state. One must follow the state's gross perversion of morality. One must embrace the state's world and life view, which is essentially Marxist or socialist, coupled with the radical left's insane views on white racism and white privilege, coupled with the radical left's insane, evil, unscientific concepts of human sexuality. A guy was fired from a college because he said that women get pregnant. Okay, he was fired for that. 
because there's no such thing as men and women anymore. You, you determine what you are. Okay, well, I'd like to be a dolphin. I mean, it's crazy stuff. But this is all being taught in our day. And then number three, the denial of biblical liberty. Roman numeral number three. According to the biblical world and life view, man's duty is to think God's thoughts after him and live a godly, law-abiding life. It is our freedom under God to develop our calling and potential to God's glory as we obey the law of God. But we do not have the liberty to sin, to lie, to commit crimes. Liberty under God means that there is no liberty for murder, for theft, for adultery, fraud, false witness, witchcraft, sorcery, open idolatry, and all other practices contrary to God's law. The statist or woke concept of liberty, liberty of conscience, is that the state, as defined by the radical left, has the exclusive and ultimate claims over what all men are allowed to think and to say. And if you know uh, are aware of what's going on on YouTube and Facebook and these things and Twitter, they want to control what you can write, what you can say, what you can think. The secular humanist condemns biblical Christianity as foolish myths and superstitions. They argue that our, once society is free from the shackles of such superstitions, then we will have true freedom and progress. They want to abolish Christianity, the Christian concept of marriage and the family, the relevance of the covenantal sphere of the church and the biblical concept of life and property. But there is no such thing as absolute freedom. Every world and life view has a concept of morality, right and wrong, and what can be allowed in a social order. Okay, they don't allow pedophilia yet. There's people working on that. We might see it eventually. They don't allow polygamy yet. Although I don't think it's prosecuted anymore. The atheist or secular humanist simply transfers the rules or what is right and wrong from God, the Bible, revealed, transcendent, unchanging ethical norms to the state. Every society must prescribe, uh, proscribe certain things if it is to maintain the liberty of others. But by eliminating the real, objective, transcendent, unchanging, perfect moral law of God, the state becomes the measure of all things, and this has been highly destructive of liberty. If you get on the wrong side of Stalin, you were, you were dead. With no good reason, or most of the people executed by, the vast majority of people murdered by Stalin never did anything wrong. And much of, many of them were loyal communists. The modern secular state says that the homosexual or sodomite has liberty to openly live as a homosexual and to openly advocate it as a good, ethical, lawful lifestyle, even though it is obviously unnatural and thoroughly perverted and wicked. It's an abomination in God's sight. It's gross. But in the process of autonomously redefining sexuality, which is both unbiblical and unscientific, okay, the rectum was designed for disposal. It's not designed for anything else other than that. <clears throat> it's a disposal-only unit. The Christian is now declared to be an outlaw if he refuses to do a sodomite wedding cake or flowers or photographs for a sodomite wedding. Okay, all my, I had a bunch, I've got a lot of stuff on homosexuality that I had to take off of YouTube because I kept getting strikes. And if you get too many strikes, they take everything off of YouTube. So I had to take, you know, if you want to see, see that stuff, you got to go to sermonaudio.com where I've posted my, uh, all the stuff that was on YouTube. But you, you can't say anything that disagrees with their world and life view and their ethical system, which is arbitrary and satanic. And if one condemns homosexual behavior as sinful, which it obviously is, it is a disgusting abomination in God's sight, then one can be censured and penalized by corporations in places like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. This per perversion of liberty could be applied to transgendered issues, race relations, and the homeless, etc. It's even being used on this uh, epidemic, this uh, pandemic we've had with, you know, where you can't, 
if there's things that actually treat the disease that work, you can't talk about it if you disagree with the radical left's viewpoint. The abandonment of God in the Christian world and life view has not resulted in liberty, but ethical anarchy and radically intolerant statism. Instead of people submitting to God's rules, God's law, God's word, which are perfectly just, reasonable, and scientific, they must now submit to the insane, thoroughly unscientific, and irrational views of woke leftists. Telling me that men can get pregnant if they think they're a woman, uh, that's not scientific. Uh, if a man thinks he's a woman and, and has artificial breasts attached and his uh, thing cut off and takes some hormones, uh, he's said to be really a woman. And he can compete against women, and of course they win every time because men are much stronger than women. And we're told this is scientific. No, it's insanity. People have been condemned and fired for saying that women get pregnant. Women have to compete in sports against deluded men with long hair and fake breasts. The men, of course, always win because men are much stronger than women. Riots with flames and murder are peaceful protests. The poor are poor because of white privilege and oppression. Even though the poor drop out of school, get women pregnant before they're married, and are lazy, and take drugs, etc., etc., are there some deserving poor? Yes, there is. The vast majority are not. I know I worked in welfare back in the 70s. Without a biblical doctrine of liberty, we will suffer under fools and dictatorial idiots. The concept of liberty among the woke left today is based on totalitarianism, self-deception, and lies. It flows from the false idea that man can create their own truth and ethics and even reality. It's gotten to the point where not only do they believe they can lie, they justify lies, but they believe their lies. They create a false, they, they believe that they can actually control reality. Where men are really, men, if a man is deluded and he thinks he's a woman, he's a pervert, and he wants to be a woman, he is a woman. Well, that's not science. That's insanity. Like Marxism and economics, the woke totalitarian liberty of the left will flatter itself, uh, excuse me, will flatten itself on a brick wall for worldviews based on scientific uh, satanic lies do not work and are highly destructive of peace and prosperity. And this always amazes me. If you watch, there's a really good, I watched a really good thing recently on socialism by uh, Prager University. They took all their clips on socialism and put it in a whole hour. Wherever socialism has been tried, it's been an unmitigated disaster. Not simply that people get killed and their liberties are removed, but people, you know, in Venezuela, people are starving to death. They're losing weight. They're fleeing the country. They're trying to get food out of dumpsters. It doesn't work. Yet they keep saying, that, yeah, we need to follow it. And, of course, they point to Sweden and Denmark and so forth, which are capitalist countries that have welfare. Capitalist countries that are uh, pro-capitalist, but they have high taxation. That's really not socialism. Technically, it's fascism. Fascism says, leave people their property, let them practice capitalism, we're just going to have a lot of regulations and we're going to collect a lot of taxes. But it's not communism, it's not socialism. And they, Bernie Sanders and those people always point to those countries. It's not socialism at all. It's capitalism with high taxes. There's more economic freedom in Denmark than there is in the United States. It's easier to start a business in Denmark than it is in California. And then we come to number four, the denial of salvation through Christ. The biblical view of salvation is that man is dead in trespasses and sins, is guilty of sin, and can only be saved and sanctified by Jesus Christ. Liberty is attained through Christ. And the life of liberty, or freedom, is maintained by faith in Christ and obedience to the moral law. That's the biblical view. <coughs> True, lasting liberty is maintained in a society by covenant faithfulness to God. If you want lasting liberty, that's what you got to do. The Persians, the Babylonians, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Hittites, all those, the Romans, their civilizations all collapsed and fell because they were not founded upon the rock, Jesus Christ, and his law word. The secular humanistic concept of salvation is based on revolutionary transformation. A period of chaos and anarchy as men cast off God's law, biblical revelation, and free market economics. 
Secular humanism claims rationalism, but is wedded to irrationalism and mysticism. In a chance universe where there are no universal permanent laws and there is nothing transcendent above man, the humanist embraces a total relativism. Man is himself in flux and a universe of flux. To shift to the new order, a humanist transformation be a revolutionary transformation. In the French Revolution and in the Russian Revolution, the goal at first is complete uh, the goal of complete statism is preceded by a period of anarchy, bloodletting, and violence. This destruction and murder is justified because to the so-called uh, uh, the so-called oppressed classes deserve what they get. And the Democrats think this way. That's what's so scary. This explains why the Democrats consistently praise the rioters the riots that occurred after uh, the death of George Floyd, who, by the way, was a drug addict and a criminal. I'm not saying it was justified what happened to him. It was, it was, uh, but if he had obeyed the police, he wouldn't have died. And he died of a heart attack. He didn't die from the, ne the neck thing, but he was a drug addict and a, and a criminal. This explains why liberal Democrats in large cities refuse to prosecute criminal activities. The criminals in their eyes are the oppressed class, and the oppressors are supposedly getting what they deserve. So you want revolutionary anarchy riots. Now, if, if the right does that, if people who disagree with the civil government do that, uh, then it's an insurrection and it has to be stamped out. But if it's the left, they praise it and they even volunteer to get people out of... Who's been convicted from Antifa? Who's been convicted? There were murders. There were killings. There were billions of dollars of damage. The Democrats did nothing because that's part of their world and life view. Chaos precedes total statism. The point of the revolution is to lead to a transformation of man so that people are happy, willing, content, blind followers, and slaves of the state. Without transcendent objective ethics and without biblical concepts of personal responsibility, the secular humanist seeks equality, or more the word they use now is equity, or egalitarianism as they define it. So that which is crap must be defined as good and noble and exalted. And that which is good, smart, hardworking, must be knocked down by the state and treated like an oppressor. The biblical solution, of course, is faith in Christ and God's word. Self-government under revealed biblical law. Real moral absolutes above the people, above the judges, above the civil magistrates, to which we can all appeal. That always amazed me when I would watch these shows like Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher and stuff in the past. And they'd have the conservative and they'd have a bunch of liberals. And the conservative would try to argue in terms of old-fashioned family values or... Uh, uh, some of the old-fashioned ones, like Mark Levin, of course. Uh, of course, he wasn't on that show, but people like Mark Levin would try to argue from the basis of natural law. You can't oppose this, this stuff with natural law uh, because it's men that look at nature and define what they want from nature. You have to go to Revelation. You have to go to biblical law. Otherwise, you can't, you can't solve these problems. We want judges or magistrates who enforce... Uh, we want laws enforced by godly judges who only enforce God's law. They do not create their own laws. The secular, humanistic, or pagan program of government, which makes the state the God, the Savior, and the lawgiver, allows the state to do whatever it pleases. Freedom and justice in our society over the long run is dependent on a return to Christ and biblical law. Okay, in Europe, Canada... You preach a sermon against homosexuality, you preach a sermon against transgendered, it's against the law. You can be arrested, you can be fined. That's coming in America if the Democrats gain power and control the Supreme Court. This will require wide-scale evangelism and the Christian reconstruction of society. <clears throat> None of this can occur without first a great revival of biblical doctrine and ethics among evangelicals, professing Christians. Modernists are not Christians at all, and they're secular humanists already. Now, much 
of modern Christianity has been corrupted by the following dangerous errors. The reason our country is so bad is because the church has become so bad, especially since the 1800s. The state is based on the world and life view of the people, and if the people have a good, even even uh, the de- defects of our Constitution not exalting Christ in the Constitution and explicitly establishing Christianity, when we had a Christian population, uh, the statism was restricted. Well, here's the following dangerous errors that have really corrupted modern Christianity and evangelicalism. Number one, biblical law is bad and has been abrogated. We should follow nature or natural law. This great error came in through dispensationalism and has even affected Reformed communions. I've written a whole book against uh, the professor of Westminster West, where he is against biblical law and he advocates we all need to follow natural law. And he believes that homosexuality should be perfectly legal. That's where natural law takes him. It takes him right away from the Bible. Number two, the dominion mandate or the call to disciple, uh, to develop Christian civilizations is regarded as no longer binding. The Great Commission, which is a call to Christian, Christianize and disciple whole nations, has been reinterpreted as simply a call to evangelize various individuals. And, you know, when you get a chance, look at my, it's on the internet in sermon form and written form. The Great Commission is a call to Christianize all the nations of the earth. Not simply individuals, but the nations, whole nations. Christian politics, Christian judges, Christian courts, Christians' laws. Number three, the rejection of the establishment principle and its replacement with religious pluralism and a secular government as giving oversight and making laws without any appeal to the Bible. This whole way of thinking is based on the false idea that religious neutrality can exist. It cannot exist. A school without Christ is an anti-Christ school. A school without the God of the Bible is an anti-God, atheistic school. If men cannot use the Bible to determine ethics and come up with laws, then one is guaranteed to decline and move toward an apostate culture. One's law order and the source of one's laws reflect one's view of ultimate authority or one's concept of God. If you believe that men make up the rules, men make up their own laws, men create their own ethics, then you believe that God, man is God. If one, a priori, before the facts, rejects the Bible and says that men simply make it up as they go along, as they please, then one has adopted the religion of secular humanism. One cannot follow Christ, yet say that we can completely ignore Christ and his moral law and civil government, civil law, and the courts. Such thinking is the reason our culture and society have become dominated by atheists, socialists, feminists, sodomites, and Satanists. Salvation by the state, or by an agency of the state, is the common faith of much of America since FDR, especially since the 1960s. This tragic fact is why the Bible and serious Bible-believing Christians are hated by secular humanists and leftists and our mainstream media. Ideas have consequences. The answer, of course, is Jesus Christ as he's been revealed in Scripture, the Gospel, and a strict adherence of individuals, families, churches, and states to God's perfect, unchanging moral law. We want to establish a Christian law order in America. We want to establish a Christian civil government. We want to have Christian schools. We want to have Christian courts. This is the only biblical, lasting way to shift from a crazy, wicked, messianic state to one that bows the knee to God through Christ, that bows the knee to Christ in the Bible. If you're not fighting for that, if you're a professing Christian and that's not your goal, then what is your goal? What is your goal? You just want a milder form of secular humanism, and that's the problem in the first place. The Democratic Party, and Van Til predicted this way back in the 30s, as people go along, they become epistemologically self-aware over time. They become more consistent with their world and life view. The Democratic Party, which are a bunch of atheists, a bunch of secular humanists, now I know they claim to be religious and they claim to be Catholic and Jewish and all this. They're not. They're, they're secular humanists. 
they, they couldn't care less about Christ or God's law or the Bible. They, they despise it. But as people become more self, uh, epistemologically self-aware and more consistent with their worldview over time, this is precisely what we're seeing in our day. The left is going to be more woke, more left, more wicked over time. They're not going to go back unless they convert to Christ. Therefore, we have to be consistent and biblical and dedicated to establishing a Christian nation. And that has to start with the, on the local level, obviously. But we must do everything we can to defeat these satanic, rotten statists. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Liberty comes from you. Liberty comes from your word. Liberty comes from Jesus Christ, your son. Liberty under law, your law, not man's law. Help us, Lord, in this wicked generation where young people are increasingly becoming more and more atheistic and secular and pagan. And our government is becoming more and more evil and obviously so wicked that they just look insane. Help us, Lord. Help your church to revive and preach the whole counsel of God on these issues. In Jesus' name, amen.